and I didn't live in the same town, so I didn't, I really did not know how to take care of kids. And so I got this job and it had to be easier. And so I learned how to somewhat take care of kids. They were older, so you know, it was, here's some crayons, here's a pencil. What do you want to do? You want to swing or I'll push you? Those kind of things, very easy. And so I decided that I was a genius at this. I've got this down. Hey, let's have a baby. And so we've been married six months, and I, we decided that if I was going to do this for full time, let's just have a kid. I mean, come on, we've got this. I was 19, plenty old enough, super mature, and we were ready. And so um, I... Being the brilliant one, um, you know, just thought that this is this is easy. This is easy. Being pregnant is easy. This is just going to work so well. So, I really loved my um, OB. Some people didn't really care for him. He was my doctor for all nine thousand children that we have. <laughs> I loved him. He had a very dry sense of humor, and he was very matter of fact. But if you know me. I do well with that because that's kind of how I am. I just, I can, I can go with that. And so the first few months we discussed the weight gain and I did really well. As a matter of fact, I stayed under the guidelines. He was like, you can gain four pounds a month. And I did very well. I gained less than that. And I was like, way to go, Ruth, way to go. So at about five months, <coughs> It was Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I think Keenan decided to go to her grocery store. And I go in after Thanksgiving and I go to weigh. And that thing, that scale just jumped like a wall. Oh my gosh. And so I went in there and she comes out and. No, I'm going to win. <laughs> I got this. Okay, so I go into the room and I wait and sorry, I'm going to win this. So I go into the room and he comes in there and he said, holy moly. And I just kind of hung my head. I wouldn't even look at him. He said, do you know how to do math? And I said, I do. I did it. I don't want to talk about it. He said, that's 13 pounds in four weeks. That's a lot of weight. Them thighs were rubbing together. And I said, hey, listen, I earned some of those from the last few months that I didn't gain. So you really can't count some of that. I'm going to shave my head. <laughs> and so he said, um, did you eat the whole turkey? <laughs> and I said, no. But I sure did eat several pies. <laughs> and he said, okay, that's it. Christmas is coming. No? Yes? Okay. Don't touch it. And so um, Christmas is coming. He said, you are on a diet. 
I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, it's touching me. <laughs> okay, so I said, all right, well, okay, I'm on a diet. So my mother-in-law and I decided that we would try to do some of the lower calorie Christmas desserts. It didn't work. So I go in for my weight check and I had gained nine more pounds. Now guys, I'm telling you what, them, them thighs weren't just rubbing together. They were sparking. <laughs> I, I could not believe it. I, I went from going into restaurants and people not knowing I was pregnant to going, I really hope you don't go into labor. I was like, I got three more months. What do you mean? I think we're safe. I, I just couldn't believe the way that people would talk to me. I was just, it was just a little bit of weight. It's just a little bit. My ankles were so big that you'd have thought I looked like, I mean, they look like elephant ankles, let's just be honest. And so Brand decided he was going to now monitor what I ate. He's so cute, isn't he? I'm just, that's, that's just so cute. That's just cute. And so between him and the doctor, we left the doctor's office. He gives me the whole speech while I'm in there. And we get in the car. He says, did you hear what he said? And I was like, yes, I heard him. Now, you're going to obey. And I said, that's real sweet, Brown. But this is what I always do. This is how I eat. I, I know what I'm doing. And he said, but at some point, you're going to have to deal with all of this. Well, I'll just deal with it after the baby comes. He's like, mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden, everything I put in my mouth, Brian was like, do you need that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure I'm hungry. I'm pretty sure that's going to taste really good, too. And when I knock you out, it's going to taste even better. <laughs> so one night, he, we decided that we were going to go to eat. And we were going to go to Zentner's Daughter. Now, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And out our front door was this really great flower bed thing. And it was concrete. And it was probably about as high as my shoulder blades, maybe the middle of my back. And because I was of such girth size, and I was in training, I was told that I had to walk and take the stairs down and walk around to the car. And Brian was going to take the shortcut and walk across and jump down, because that's what he does. Because he's tall enough and can. I couldn't jump down. And so he is talking to me as I'm walking down. He's so funny. And he says, okay, and I have to go down three apartments and come down and walk back because the car is like right there where he jumps down and just can get in because he wasn't of girth size. <laughs> and so I'm walking and he goes, hey, I have a great idea. I was like, oh, this is great. What? He said, I'm going to ambush you as you come down, as you walk across. And I was like, no, you're not. He was like, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm going to. So when you come down, just stop right here. And I said, no, you're not. This is not a good idea. 
And now I'm going to tell you that I forgot the part where we argued about what I was going to eat when we go to the restaurant. I wanted steak. He said I was having chicken. I was like, I'm not eating chicken. I said, that's what we were arguing about as I'm walking down the way. And then he tells me he's going to ambush me. And I said, I'm going to eat steak. And he's like, you're going to eat chicken. It's healthier for you and the baby. I was like, I'm going to eat steak. And you're, he said, I'm gonna, you're going to eat chicken, and I'm going to ambush you as you come around. I was like, I appreciate the warning, but I'm pretty sure husbands aren't supposed to ambush their wives. And any wife that is here that would say that your husband tells you they're going to ambush you, you're going to be saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. And when you're as wide as you are tall, you're really saying that because um, this is bad. This is bad. And in my mind, this is really bad. So I get down there. And he's like, all right, stand still. Well, I really can't move fast. And he goes, all right, here I come. And he jumps across. And he says that I did this. Well, yeah, you're going to ambush me. And I caught him. I did. I caught him. And what did he do? Fell right on me. And the good, girthy girl fell. And when I came to and caught my breath, I got chicken fried steak. <coughs> now, I'm going to tell you. This is how I always eat. <laughs> and when I had gained 70-something pounds and had Keenan, and the doctor was moving my thighs, <laughs> I dealt with it when the baby came. <laughs> now, Krista, what does that have to do with anything? Because it's what I always do. This is what I always did. I wasn't willing to change. I was not willing to to change the way I always did things. Now, I did not take into consideration that I was carrying a child and my hormones were doing wackadoo things and putting on a ton of weight. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that <coughs> grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? I chose to keep living in it. I chose to keep doing what I always did, eating the way I always wanted to, and kept on doing what I always did. I put myself, I put, I really did put Keenan and I in a huge amount of danger because then I got to be preeclampsia and all kinds of, the boy was nine pounds. I am not of the right size to deliver nine pounds. I did it, almost died. And why was he heavy on the outside to hold? Woo! And the boy had the biggest cone head. <laughs> I felt so bad. Purple. I was so proud. I was like, man, I'm glad I'm not in a barn and have to show him to off just to animals because that'd be sad. He looks good. And Brian was like, he is purple and cone headed, cutie. Look at this. Look what I did. <laughs> we were there for. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, 
we believe that we will also live with him. So what should our attitude now, what should our attitude be now towards sin? How do we live in grace? Do y'all notice that I have paper? This is so, I am so old school. Brenna was like, do you want my iPad? I said, babe, I gotta have the white paper and the black print. I do not need that green. She's like, oh, I know it. I need to make my little printed notes. Thank you, Russ. Jesus dealt with sin once and for all. We should focus on living in the life he gives us and not continuing to be wrapped up in all destructive choices. I really don't like to think that uh, chicken fried steak is a destructive choice, but probably 17 of them, it might be. I'm just saying. If we are going to be wrapped up and destructive choices. How do we change from that? How, what is the way that we're going to take, how you get out of that? How do you decide that you're going to change that life? I mean, first of all, you have to figure out what your destructive choices are. I'm going to tell you that I am an extremely, this is telling on myself again. I really was trying to think of stories that would tell on brand. He always does that to me. But anyway, I hold grudges. It's something that I have to work really hard on, but I was um, raised to forgive, but you don't forget. That's, that's the household motto. You can forgive, but you don't forget. And so um, that's something that the old girl just, I really have to work on her. And so when I was not raised with a dad, my dad walked out. I can remember my dad telling me at five years old that he was not ever going to see me again. I remember him getting into the car and driving off and I watched him drive down the road from my grandparents' house. And I really didn't care for that. Really hurt my feelings. And so, and it's the truth. The truth is I really didn't see him again. I tried, I tried to get a hold of him. I tried, I had a grand, I had, I had gotten a hold of his mom once, but he did not want to see me. And so that's, you know, that was his choice. Now, once I got married to Brandon, he found me. And he showed up on our doorstep when I was of girth size and pregnant with Keenan. And um, so I got to know him as I was an adult. Now, let me tell you something. That was a little bit hard because I was now knowing Jesus. And here's this man that I had to, not only did I want to get to know, but then I had to like walk through all of that and forgive him. Now, my dad did not pay any child support. He did not help my, parent, my mom at all. And so at that point, okay, I may have to give up. At that point, um, he really, he tried to somewhat make up for that and when I got to be of such a big size with Keenan, he took me and bought me maternity clothes. And, you know, he tried. He tried. But he was so in and out of our lives. He would come into our life for a little while, and then he would leave. And then he would come into our life for a little while, and he would leave. And one time, 
I did get to pray with him and see him get saved, and that was huge. How does Brandon do this? He has more patience than I do, obviously, and a bigger head. Okay, can I just have that other microphone? My dad, I, I got to pray with him the prayer of salvation. Can y'all hear me now? Okay. And so he, he was now at least saved. And I could at least breathe a breath of fresh air if I never saw him again. And then he was in and out of our life. And he was in and out of our life. And he would come in. And, and my dad, is very, he was very unstable. He was um, a gambler. He, he had a very bad history of drinking. Now, at this point, he had not been drinking anymore. He had sobered up, but he still practiced the same destructive choices that got him to that place, even though he didn't drink, and so I was very choosy as to how much of our life he was in and out of. Now, he, some days he would show up, and I would still be mad at him, and some days he showed up, and I would be, forget. I had forgiven him, and we would have great days. And he never knew the Krista that he was going to walk in to meet. And I never knew the gym that he was going to walk in to be. And that's just kind of how it went. And I really worked hard to be Krista that loved him all of the time, even if I was mad. And it worked out pretty well. It worked out pretty well. Now, at the end, my dad got really sick. And he had um, lung cancer. And so he had to have surgery. And he had the... I don't know, he had part of his lung removed, and I went to the hospital to take, you know, go see him and do all these things. I'm the only one, I'm the only part of his family that is, was living here close by, and so I go to see him, and he, the Olympics are on. Now, my dad is on pain meds, and he's like, you know, you're such a loser that you couldn't even make the Olympics. I was like, well, you're right about that. I could not make the Olympics. And I said, um, I didn't even try. I, that is not something, I'm not an athlete like that. I'm more of an athlete than Brandon. And um, there you go. There's my dab at him. And so, like, what am I doing? And so anyways, then I took him home, we took him home, and he lived for a few years. And once he got off the pain meds, it was much better, but there were still these little jabs that he would take at me, and I would just be like, oh, whatever. Oh, whatever. You're so funny. You're whatever. You're not in my life for 20-something years. Whatever. Whatever. And so when he died, my dad had told me that he had set up a, uh, what do you call that, wherever, do what? Okay. Where you, um leave money to somebody when you die? What is that? Well, a will. Whatever you call that, whenever. There's going to be money. And he had told me, you know, it's probably enough in there that you could send your kid to high school. I was like, well, high school's free. <laughs> I don't know how much it costs when you were in high school, but for here, high school's free. And he was like, exactly. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be stuck paying for your funeral. 
And so I kind of, Brandon and I talked about it. We kind of made some uh, little uh, provisions or whatever to make sure that things were taken care of. And so finally one day we got the phone call that my dad had passed away and I was devastated, devastated. I hadn't seen him in like a month and <clears throat> I was kind of shocked that I was, he's my dad. I was devastated that my dad had passed away. And then I thought, oh no, now I have to deal with all of this and I don't know how to do this and I'm not good at all this. Honestly, I live in denial <coughs> like waiting for Brandon to come up here and bail me out of preaching. And um, so I was like, well, um, I don't know how to do this, Brandon. He said, me either. So we kind of walked through it together and Brandon and Keenan went and cleaned out his house and we brought the stuff, to, some of the stuff to our house. Most of it we could not keep. And he starts going through what would be his checkbook. Now, my dad, when he told me that he had left me a little bit of money and all of that, there was like $90,000 set aside in my name in my name and I was like oh that's awesome that'll pay for services and stuff for him and pay off what he owes and stuff and by the time Brandon got to the end of it my dad had signed my name and taken all of it and taken it to the casino and spent every dime he had left me enough money to have him cremated the cheapest way and I could have his ashes spread somewhere free. Now I'm going to tell you, this person right here was a little pissed. <laughs> a, that somebody could sign my name and do that. Not that he took the money, but that it could be done so easily that I didn't have to have a say or any of that. And, and you know what? I am a grudge holder, but here's where I'm going with this. I decided that, and it took me a little bit of time, and it took Brandon a whole lot of talking me down. I decided that destructive choices were what took my dad to that place. And you know what? In all honesty, it, it really was his money. That's how I had to look at it. It did have my name on it. And I was honored in the fact that throughout his life, he did do something for me. But I was not going to hold on to the grudge and hold him and hold myself bound up and do what I felt like he had done to himself. I watched him rob himself of a whole life of joy and peace and walking through something, a life that he could have totally enjoyed with grandchildren, that he could have totally enjoyed, which he didn't get to see me grow up, but he did somewhat watch my kids grow up. And he did somewhat get to see a life that he could have had. And I do not want that for myself. And I figured out that God's grace took me to a place where I do not look back at that and say, how could he have done that to me? He was my dad. You know what? I led my dad to the Lord. I watched my dad do some things that most kids who have lived a life without a dad, they don't get to see with their dad. And God's grace took me to a place 
because I chose to not have the destructive choices that would have robbed me of those peaceful days with him and those memories that I would have been robbed from had I chosen to live in a life of being bound up. That's what God's grace is. God's grace takes you to a place, takes you from a place of being where you could be so bound up and miss out on so many things that God has for you and moves you over into a place where you are walking, where you don't have to wonder where your next um, breath is or where your next happy moment is. My happy moments don't come from my dad leaving me money. My happy moments come from the fact that my dad came and found me, that I had enough worth in his heart that he did come find me. And he came and found me at a time where he got to meet his grandkids. And honestly and truthfully, they have more value in my life. And I wanted him to know them. And he got to meet them. And he got to watch them grow up. And he got to see the things that were a big deal to me. Sure, seeing me grow up was a big deal. But my kids growing up, that means way more to me than what I mean, I just grew up. But they they are fabulous. My son was purple and toe-headed, and he was awesome. And my dad got to see that. Each one of them have a perfect, exciting life, and he got to see that, and he got to know that. And had I held on to that bitter moment, I would have missed being within those memories. I would have missed, I would have lost all of that. I would not be the person that I would have been standing up here saying, you know what, screw my dad. He didn't mean anything to me. And that is not the truth. The truth is, is that he meant everything because he came back and found me. He did the hardest thing. A dad that walked out came and found me. And that is big. And that is God's grace coming back and taking over. Taking over destructive choices that I could have made and be walking in today. And it's not there. How do you live in God's grace? How do you take a destructive pattern and turn it around? It's by each choice. It's by each time that your friend hurts your feelings, and you say, I'm done. And really, the choice is, is that you say, you know what? Right now, this is what she's capable of. But let me show you what I'm capable of. I'm capable of being right here for you. I'm capable of loving you through this and walking it out. I'm capable of still being here for you. I'm capable of still loving you. Because Jesus didn't turn his back on us when we said, I can't I can't do this, Lord. I could have sat right there and said, I'm not preaching. I'm done. I'm backing out. And you know what Lord would have said? I still love you. I have your back. He has us. His grace is there. His grace is big enough. Sure, your feelings are hurt when somebody hurts you. Sure, when bad things happen, it hurts you. I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm not saying it didn't hurt my feelings when I found out after my dad died. I wanted to kick him. It took me a few days. Well, it took me a lot longer than that. 
of really getting down to the point of saying what is most important and the most important thing was being not that for my kids of being not that for my husband of being not that for myself I don't like being bound up I don't like being ugly I don't like being that person because I can't be who I need to be just enjoying life if I let those things hold me back I never understood what it meant when it says don't let somebody hold you don't let their hurting you hold you back you're not holding them back by being mad at them you're holding yourself back I never understood that till I let that go and I watched myself be able to breathe be able to think about it and not want to hurt someone be able to understand what real value there was and the way and the steps that my dad truly took in showing me in other ways of the value that I had what he could do my dad couldn't show me in every way but there were ways that he could show me and I took a hold of those ways God's grace is that big for you there are ways that you can do it there are ways that you can show you can take whatever your sin is and step out of it and take one step with God's grace and not turn back and the next day take another step and it gets easier and easier because his grace is enough his grace is enough it's big enough it's big enough it's big enough to not blow up and let your anger take over it's big enough to not get bound up in anxiety but to know that he's there and you can trust in him it's big enough to take each step and know that he is there to trust in it's big enough it's big enough we are free in Jesus to focus on living life instead of trying to avoid death there's a place where we just try to not do what's wrong instead of just enjoying what is good and that is where we need to be we need to be in the place where we just enjoy what is good, what is right. It, it says, my notes say that how much more courage does an acrobat have to truly soar when they know that, that a slip up doesn't bring death? It's a little easier to do your job when you know that you're not going to die if you slip off here. For married people, it's more freeing to bring joy to your spouse than it is to try to avoid making them mad. It's a little easier to live with your spouse and to be married when you're just loving them instead of just tiptoeing around them trying to not upset them. It's a little more peaceful around your home. It's a little easier and a little more exciting to go home at night. Jesus has set us free to enjoy our relationship with God instead of trying to avoid making him upset. Romans 6, 17 through 18 says, but, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have to come to obey from yep, you have to come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. 
You have been set free from sin, and you have become slaves to righteousness. With the help of the Holy Spirit and the direction of God's word, you can make good choices and live lives that bring life. God so passionately wants to forever be with you that he made it a gift. That's all it is. It's just a gift. He so wants to do it. When I was last night, I had to, I got, I didn't have to. I felt like I had to. But I, I got to speak at the chrysalis, and I did just like I did this morning, panicking, and wanted to throw up. And when I stepped up there, and I looked at all those girls, and I, I truly told them, I said, I'm so nervous, I don't want to mess up. And they were like, I was like, you're so important to him. And the one message that everybody needs to leave with is that you're so important to him. You yourself, you're so important to him that you're so worth being nervous over to not mess up. I don't want to get one thing wrong because you're so important to him that, that it's important to me. You're so important to him that he wants you to know you're worth it all. You are worth it all, just you alone. And those girls were sitting there thinking about, I'm so important, I'm so important. And over the weekend, we've heard God doesn't make junk. And I was like, well, that's good. That's good to know. God doesn't make junk. And you can see it start clicking in their mind. God doesn't make junk. And, and we, each one of us are so important that his grace is big enough to pull us out of the depths of what our bad choices make and bring us into a good life that it's a gift that he gives to us every day of making the best choices and walking out the best life that he's got for us. It doesn't, you don't have the same life that I do, and be thankful today. But at this point, it's the life he gave you. It's the life that he has for you. And I think to myself, oh my goodness, each one of us are at a different stage, and Leah's about to have a baby, and Stacy and Dallas are getting married, and I think, I've been there. And how exciting are both of those stages of life? It was so exciting. I couldn't wait to be, when I was, before we were getting married, I was like, oh, I can't wait to find my husband and going to get married and all of this. But I was so ready to just jump there that I missed several steps that were there before that. And then whenever it was time to have a baby, I was so excited for Keenan to get here that I was like, oh, I just, I'm ready. And then when Keenan was born, Brandon was like, I'm ready for him to be like three and we can climb trees. And I was like, he needs to crawl first. How about sleep all night? I'm just ready for that one. You know, there were those so many steps in between that he, God carried us through and each one were perfect. And each one that he has for us is perfect because each step, each day is where he takes us. And each calling is different, but each one is absolutely perfect. Romans six twenty three says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. And John 4.10 said, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who 
it is that asks you for a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. The bottom line is, is the good news is Jesus brings life to us all. And as you walk it out every step and every day, as long as you're including him, and your choices are including him, that's where it's at. Your choices have to include him. Some of this is not arranged on the fly. Me and Daniel now. So at this point, at this point, here's where we're at with this, is that there's a few things that some of us have had to deal with then I'm not saying that I'm looking for a big altar call because I'm really not. The microphone is messed up. I've stumbled over my words, and really all I would like to do is run out that door. So y'all are all going to bow your heads. I'm going to run. But we have to close. And so I just want to say that at the end of the day, when you close your eyes, and I do this, and I give account for my day, and there are things that I think, oh my gosh, I wish I had not done that. And this will probably be one of them tonight. But you, I don't want you to go through and say, oh, I wish I hadn't dealt with that this way. Or, oh my gosh, I could have so blown it there, and I didn't. At a girl, or at a boy. See, I need to give myself a cookie tomorrow. <laughs> We all know what I'm talking about. There are those moments. There are those moments where you look at them and you say, I could have blown it, but I didn't. Or my gosh, how do I deal with this at this moment? I'm so mad. I'm so mad I can't see straight. And you call someone or you text someone and say, I need help. Jesus is always right there and he shows up in faces and he shows up in people's voices and he shows up in text messages and Facebook posts. But you have to reach out. You have to reach out to him. And so really you have to know him. You have to know him. And so I'm, I'm really not good at this. If you need to know Jesus as your Savior, then that's where, that, that's where we're going to go. If you need to know Jesus as your Savior, then if I would like for everybody to bow their head, close your eyes. I promise <coughs> I won't run out. If you could raise your hand, if, if you would like to know Jesus as your Savior, that would be awesome. But honestly and truthfully, if you need prayer today because you need to know what that grace is like, that you're tired of making the same choice. I'm tired of hitting my, my head on the same wall. I'm tired of hitting my head on the same wall. Of, I'm I need to get out of this rut. I need God's grace to hit me where, and push me over to where I can finally live in a life of where I can be free. That's also where this is at. God's grace is big enough to take you from one step to another of being set free from 
ocean. It's called just believing in him, just calling out. Okay, so if you'll stand up. If you need prayer for anything, we have people on both sides. Jeff and Mitzi are over on the left, yes? And Steve is, and Miss Lisa are on, on my right, which would be your left, so opposite day. If you need prayer for anything, they are here for you. I really do appreciate the opportunity. I'm going to tell Pastor Brennan he cannot be gone again. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this awesome church family. And Lord, I thank you that as we close out service, but we start this week, we start it with, Lord, believing in you. Lord, we start it with stepping over into your grace. Lord, I thank you that this week, Lord, is not a week of struggle. Lord, that we don't hit our heads against things that we have struggled with, Lord, but that we walk into a week full of grace. Lord.